this is Ed Devitt, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Before we begin, I want to give you a quick heads up that today's interview includes discussion on the topics of alcoholism, drunk driving, and recovery from accidents. So if you're sensitive to any of these topics, please keep that in mind before continuing to listen to the interview. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and I have a special show for you today. I know I say that every time. This one's a little bit different. This is me bringing on a friend of mine who has gone through some crazy life experiences and has a message that I think is an important one to share, not only with you, but I hope that you will share with others. And so I want to introduce you to Ed Devitt. Ed has the desire to carry a message of hope to all by speaking to schools, universities, and victim impact panels at prisons and groups about his accident. See, on June 10th, 1999, at the age of 18, Ed was involved in a car accident crossing the Newburgh Beacon Bridge over the Hudson River. He sustained a TBI, traumatic brain injury, and was unable to speak, walk, eat, or drink. Rehabilitation was completed at the Helen Hayes Hospital, which did not end with his discharge. He faced a long and challenging road for many years. The key to confronting his injury presented itself through having the desire to stop drinking. Currently, he is living a happy life in the Hudson Valley with his wife and daughter, and he carries hope to others who have this invisible energy injury. And I am so thankful he was able to take a few minutes out of his busy life to speak with us. So, guys, welcome, Ed. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Hey, Amy, great. How are you doing? Thank you for that wonderful intro. Ed, um, we met probably a few months ago, and you were you were the first person who came up to me on uh, that Saturday morning, and because we didn't have any plans to kind of meet. We just ran into each other. No, exactly. We were both kind of looking in the um, same direction. We were looking for where it was going on, but <laughs> at that time in the morning, there wasn't much going on. Either. Yeah, but as my first friend, I mean, it was awesome to kind of run into you and then learn more about your story. And I think that your story and your message and, and what you share is was so important that I really, you were one of the first people I wanted to have on my show because of that. And so I finally launched and was able to get you on the show. So, Ed, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background? I mean, they got a little bit, a taste of it in the introduction, but why don't you share a little bit about it? Sure, Amy, thanks so much. And uh, thank you again for that introduction. Um, it was something special that we shared that morning and, uh, it's something that I'll never forget, you know, making the connections. That's what it's all about to me today is, you know, not not the um, having such a good time, but make, finding the moments in Oh, absolutely, time yeah. That you can really say, yeah, I do remember that time. 
You know, it's it's really uh, interesting. But um, so June tenth, nineteen ninety nine, I was in an automobile crash. I wanted to make that clear, capital letters C R A S H, because this was no accident. You know, you put young kids behind the wheel of a car. You're going too fast. It's late at night. They're under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And um, bad things are bound to happen. You know, it's um, it's it's not an accident. The accident was us ever getting into that situation and putting others other lives in jeopardy. You know, as a result of our actions. So I'm I'm definitely um, 100% clear today that it was a crash. Any 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 uh, crash that you hear um, where there are, are drugs or alcohol involved, that's definitely a crash. Or distractions such as cell phone use. If a person's going down the road and they're texting while driving and they crash, you know that's that's an unfortunate distraction, but it happens all too often in society today, Amy. It's a very sad thing, and the number of different distractions mm-hmm. and the reasons for crashes, I feel like they're, it's only increasing today. Yes, it is. Uh, it's unfortunate that, see, at victim impact panels that I speak at at uh, local jails, I speak at Orange County Jail, and I speak up in Columbia County Jail, just south of Albany, and... These are people that have been mandated to see this program because they've been caught either driving under the influence or um, texting while driving or just uh, on prescription medication. That's another big one today. You know, even if they're not prescribed the medication, but they're under the influence of prescription medication, people people don't consider that as being... Under the influence, you know, and it's a it's a real scary thing today, you know, driving down the road, and uh, you have to be alert at all times and totally aware of what's coming at you. Now, Ed, when that accident occurred, was that a isolated incident in the sense that what was there only one car involved? Were others involved uh, as well, or? I, I can bring you back. I'll bring you back to that. I, I kind of glazed over it. So we were out. There were, uh, a friend of mine were out at um, another friend's house one evening, and um, we were getting kind of rowdy because as the night unwound, we were getting a little uh, drunk and, you know, indulging a little too much. So we kind of got... A little rowdy. That was something that was typical. People didn't tend to drink like us or be loud like us when we were drinking. So we were asked to leave this apartment, and uh, an argument ensued, and uh, we left. So the driver and I were going out to the car, and we get in, and as we're pulling away from this apartment, Another friend of our acquaintance of mine, friend of the driver's, kind of stopped walking. He got dropped off mm-hmm. at the apartment, and he was walking over, and he stopped, and he puts his hand on the car, and my window was down, so he said, hey, where are you guys going? you mind if I get in? And uh, 
He said, yeah, no, I'll give you a ride to wherever you need. So um, I was about to get into the back seat of this car, and the driver put his arm on mine. And he's like, Eddie, you don't have to get in the back. Let him get in the back. And, you know, this this passenger was older than me. I don't know, shotgun. Like, I was giving him the front seat. I thought that would be the nice thing to do. Really right. nice guy I was, you know. <laughs> So um, so I just sat in the front. He said, let him get in the back. Uh, he got in the back seat, and uh, off we went. And we're driving up to the Newburgh Beacon Bridge, and as we're driving uh, before the bridge, the driver drifted kind of into a tractor-trailer truck and just just grazing it but making contact. And instead of pulling over and exchanging information or waiting for a cop to show up, he just gunned it. Oh, wow. So, he, yeah, he, he stepped on it. And we ended up going into a uh, toll barrier. The last thing that I remember is sitting mm, somewhat reclined in my seat. I was still up, but I was I was leaned back. You know, I was, I was reclined. And, um... We hit the toll barrier at uh, just under 140 miles an hour. And I, I don't know how, by the grace of God, I made it through on the other side. The rear seat passenger was ejected by like 50 to 75 feet away from the car. Oh, my goodness. And the driver's side sustained most of the um, impact. That is... Like, I, I'm just speechless. Mm. And the fact that you're here today, and it wasn't an easy road for you. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, Amy. The, um, the, so that night, they didn't even know that. And it, the I went back to this toll to see if I could kind of repiece things. And because of my injury, I had this insatiable appetite to find out what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what really happened you know people don't know well he was going too fast and he was trying to blow through the uh toll barrier he didn't want to pay for his toll uh okay a dollar and whatever it was i don't think that was you know close to reality but i'm the only one that can really piece stuff together and because of the injury that i sustained a lot of it was jarred you know like I don't recall much. The only thing I recall is the rafters of the bridge lit up under the dark sky and then waking up in the hospital you know, or going in and out of consciousness. The hospital, Westchester Hospital that I went to, is right on, sits along the Hudson River in uh, Valhalla, New York, and a uh, top-notch facility. I thought I was in the belly of a ship uh, either that or I was upstate. I didn't know where I was, what had happened, or where my friends were even. So when I had the sense to ask my brother, where are my friends, you know, and he's just looking at me like, uh, Eddie, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't man. make it, you know. And I, was just, and, and I didn't even feel emotion at that time. I, Because of the head injury that I sustained, you know, my... Everything was shot, 
you know, I wasn't able to do anything. I had to relearn how to walk, how to swallow liquids, you know, because of the duodenum, which uh, flaps over when you're breathing in Mm -hmm. or when you're drinking water or eating food, so you don't put water or food in your lungs. So I had to retrain that and everything, every muscle in my body. You know, I was bedridden with um, a G-tube, a gastrointestinal tube to get my nutrients for, I'm sorry, for probably like 25, 30, 30 days. So how long, I mean, you went through a long recovery process for this and, and one that, as you said, didn't end with discharge. No. So how how long was it? Well, it was, Amy, you know, in the scheme of things, mm-hmm. I wasn't, that was a slap on the wrist. My goodness. I mean, speaking to other survivors today, you know, people that have brain injuries yeah. are not like, oh, that's a brain injured person. I, I choose to call them survivors, and I'm sure they would appreciate being called survivors as well because... It is such a blessing, you know, to be able to speak or to be able to breathe, you know. And I know I don't want to sound jaded because I know a lot of people that do have serious brain injuries are, um, you know, they're kind of bedridden or stuck in a bed and they don't have much function. So it's kind of like I'm I'm very um, <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I'm so lucky it's uh it's unbelievable. I can't even you know the the, the uh doctors are baffled and the the police officer that was on the scene said he hadn't seen a accident like that in his whole career. So um it's just um it's been an amazing journey and uh my recovery. Let me ask you when you go through this kind of experience, you kind of see, did you did you put together that alcoholism, the drinking and the driving, in your search for finding out what happened, did you automatically go, all right, drinking and driving, that's bad, don't do it? Mm. Unfortunately, I didn't, you yeah. know. No, I didn't at all. I, um, I continued my ways of dealing and coping with reality, which was now my new reality. You know, and having a brain injury at the age of, um, let's see, 18, was kind of like, oh my God, I, I don't want other people to know that I have this chink in my metal, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to let others know about this flaw, I felt flawed. That's exactly it. You know, and in 1999, it was far and few people that were talking about brain injury. Um, well, you're right. The platform to do it and the amount of exposure mm-hmm. recovery people get from these kinds of accidents isn't isn't a big thing. Right. In 1999 right. especially. I mean, today we have, and we're going to talk about the, the things you're doing with this um, today, there's more platforms available for that, but you're right. 20 some years ago, 15, 20 some years ago, that kind of stuff wasn't there. Right. Right. Exactly. 
you know, and it was almost like, you know, um, it wasn't accepted, I guess you could say, because it wasn't there. And people are almost afraid of what they don't know about, of the unknown. So, I mean, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was really hard on my family, you know, like I can't, I can't even put into words how bad I feel for putting my family through this. My family, my friends, my relatives, and, uh, you know, they stuck by me and their prayers are what, you know, them coming to see me and writing me cards and just thoughtful things that only, you know, others do for someone that they love. It's really a testament testament to me pulling through. Um, I can also say that somebody that somebody that um goes through a traumatic experience like this and sustains a TBI has a better chance of recovery at an earlier age than somebody who is afflicted when they are middle aged or older or geriatric. Wow. Yeah, that's, I got to imagine the body and and the ability to recover plays Mm. a part in that. Definitely. Now, Ed, you you were talking earlier and and saying how nobody likes to talk about the shame of it. The other thing I wanted to ask is, is that also people feel not uh, that there's, that this will never happen to them? Right. Maybe the um, feeling invincible. Yes. You know, like, as young kids, I never imagined (laughs) that we would be in an accident like that and I would be the sole survivor. You know, that that is just, um, you know, but we were all in the same car. We were all at the same place. We were all doing the same things. It just wasn't my time, I guess. I mean, there is no... um, there's just no, uh, uh, well, no, I, yeah. I, I, I think I get what you mean. I mean, there's, I think a lot of things had happened today. A lot of us feel that it would never happen to us, and therefore we don't think about it. Right. It's almost like an out of sight, out of mind. This doesn't mm. affect me, therefore it's not relevant. Right. You know, and I think with the fact that more distractions are happening, because one of the dangers, and, and, you're you're experienced in this and have seen it and and are talking about this. A lot of people who drink and drive have that feeling of invincibility, mm. right? Or believe that. And the problem right. is, those people need to understand that that's not the case, and people around them need to monitor them. Right. So when you Definitely. one thing you're doing, Ed, which I I, I love, is sharing this message. Yes. And it's not just the message of your story, but distracted driving overall, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. That is, um, that is, you know, I can't stress it enough, you know, um, and I've, I've had, I've had years of feeling the guilt and that also, you know, spiraled me and my addiction to substances was the guilt, you know, that, well, I should have, I should have told them to slow down, I should have, 
I should have grabbed the wheel. I should have pulled the e-brake. I should have, would have, I, you know, I would have driven myself crazy, and I have. But um, you know, it's just we were all doing the same things in the same places, and I mean, if my lights went out that night, I would have been okay with it because I was selfish. I was self-loathing, you know, and poor me. I wasn't thinking about how many people is this going to affect if I choose to get in the car with this individual, if I choose to go along for the ride instead of calling for a sober rider, you know, a sober driver or a cab. You know, my I know my family would have been mad or a little upset, you know, if I had to call them at 2 in the morning and said, hey, can you come pick me up? I'm sorry, I'm really sorry to bother you, but could you come pick me up? I just don't feel comfortable riding with who I came with. They would have been okay with that rather than getting the knock on the door at 4 a.m. saying, I'm sorry, you're going to have to come with us, ma'am. Because that's what troopers did to my parent, to my mother. And I'm not sure, you know, I... I can't imagine my heart goes out to um, the families of the victims, you know. What you said is actually um, really, really powerful. And something I I hope all Dream Chasers and and the people you share this with understand what Ed's saying. You know, take the two seconds, the five minutes, whatever, to find an alternate way. Mm -hmm. Save everyone the heartache and the stress. Because it could happen to you, and it's, it may happen to you, and this isn't the thing you want to win at. No. The lottery, yes. Being right. the statistic, no. No. And so, Ed, you're sharing your story now. Yes. All these years later, is there, what, was there anything that motivated you to start? Did you have a light bulb moment, or? Well, yes, my aha moment came when, uh, you know, I was, I was, let's see here, I had, um, let's see, I, I slipped up maybe um, a couple of weeks before my wedding, before the, the day I was supposed to walk down the aisle, I went down to a, uh event in New York City, uh-huh. had a couple of drinks, which led to a couple more drinks, which led to a couple more drinks, and next thing I know... They were saying, um, sorry, sir, we're closed. You can't <laughs> get anything else here. So I said, okay, well, I guess I'll just go home then. You know, once again, my thinking was skewed, and I was not thinking. I wasn't, I wasn't even in my own head. But I went into the car, got in the car, started driving. A cab driver hits me oh, down no. in New York City. Yeah. And um, sure enough, cops are called. I'm arrested. We go down to uh, Central Bookings. And I spent like a day, day and a half with 18 to 30 other inmates, you know, in one holding cell, kind of moving back and forth. And you think that would be a wake-up call for me? Are you saying it wasn't? No, it wasn't the aha moment that I needed, you know. 
that that came after some time. So I put more time together. I was getting, I was doing it for everybody else. I was staying sober to keep other people happy. You know, not doing it for myself. I I couldn't. I don't. I don't know how. I think. I think by me not addressing the underlying cause, my traumatic brain injury, by me kind of holding, by me um, just deflecting everybody from that, by me keeping that secret so close and dear to me is what fueled my alcoholism. So you go into, get into the second accident. Mm. What is What is it that changes it, though? Well, it was the um, flash forward to 2013. My daughter is born. Mm-hmm. Our daughter. I'm sorry. I was getting possessive there. <laughs> my wife's daughter, mine, was born. And uh, it was the most beautiful thing I could have ever imagined. May 30th, 2009. No, I'm sorry. I'm missing my uh, wedding day. May 30th. 2013, and uh, it was truly a moment that I never thought I'd see, Um, and, you know, it was all, I I got into the trenches, I was Mr. Mom, and, you know, doing things, and giving my wife some time to, you know, get back on her feet, Mm -hmm. and I I could do it, I could do it, still having that alcoholic mentality. No, I don't need to go to AA meetings or I don't need self-help because I'm doing this and I'm doing good for other people. Okay, well, it finally caught up with me and I, sure enough, I drank again. After your, after the birth of your daughter? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, Yep. I know it gets better, Amy. I promise. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna Tell end it on a good note. I promise. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, we only have again? five oh. more minutes, and we're all the way down here again. No, this is the roller coaster ride of an alcoholic. I'm, I'm with you on this ride, and I'm like, Ed, come on. Yeah, I know, I know. So this is um. So after that, you know, my wife gave me an ultimatum. She said, "Look, I love you. We love you." Which I knew, but she said, we can't be around this. This kind of behavior is not healthy for us, nor you. I can't stand to watch, stand here and watch you do this to yourself. Um, we're going to go, we're going to leave the house, and you can decide what you want to do, and you know, maybe we'll come back based on your behavior, and whatever, we'll see. So that that was a real sobering moment for me. You know, at that point, I was kind of like, I right, well, I, I can't do this to hide my feelings anymore. So I uh, went and got involved with the 12-step program. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been life-changing, Amy, to say that I now have a family of individuals that know exactly how I feel, where I'm coming from. You know, I don't have to explain too much because they've shared the same feelings, you know, maybe even worse off than I have. 
And, you know, we can laugh about it because I no longer have to be a slave to my disease. Well, I am so happy to hear the, the positive, the positive that, that you turned it around. Yes. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think it, it for each person it's different. Right. Right. You can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. That that That's kind of it. saying. Exactly. Um, uh, but I'm so happy that you were able to have your aha moment, that your wife and child were able to be there for you, and you know that you're doing such a wonderful job. And now. Not only did you turn it around, but you're sharing your story. Correct. And Ed, tell them a little bit about your new website, because I think, uh, guys, you should check this out. His story is on there. Um, it looks great. You did a great job with it. Thanks. I, I can't take all the credit. That's um, Volume 8 is the web design team that uh, really put it all together, put the pieces together, you know, Without them, it'd just be a bunch of words, but uh, they really did a wonderful job in capturing the visuals of it. So, um, yeah, that was, um, took a little while to get it all together, but once we sat down and hashed out the details, you know, I walked away and I came back and there was my story, you know, they had produced it and, you know, that's, it gives me a platform now. So when I do go into schools or when I do speak to individuals, I can pull directly from that website. I don't have to because it's kind of ingrained in me, Amy, you know, the story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but it's 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 a story that you know should travel, you know, because this message I believe everybody, if not themselves, knows somebody that can identify with the feelings that I had and can relate to. Yeah, so. and and I think the thing that we all forget is sometimes, a lot of the times, actually, there are injuries that you can't see. Correct. And we have to be mindful of that. And there are people who are suffering and have gone through these incredible experiences and and survived. And then there are those who haven't. And we need to respect their stories. Correct. And so, Ed, you're actually uh, speaking. Yes. Yes, I am. I am a um, speaker, you know, uh, carrying the message. It's it's unreal how it's unfolded and all so fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Me acknowledging my traumatic brain injury kind of said, okay, now you can start, you know. Like, I would try to speak to students before, and, you know, I felt like they could see through me. Like, I wasn't the man that was talking all this good stuff about not doing this and not doing that, you know. Right. So, but today I have no no secrets, you know, and that gives me a tremendous ability to connect with others. And, you know, it, hopefully what I'm looking to do, Amy, is be that voice 
that someone needs to hear because they've been living with the shame, the guilt, with this invisible injury, you know, that other people would never think, oh, yeah, they might have a brain injury, you know? It's, it's, uh, and nowadays, I mean, like, with concussions and sports, they're finding a lot more head trauma can lead to uh, debilitating or has debilitating effects on the human body. Well, absolutely. I believe Will Smith is um, in a new movie that actually Correct. talks about that. Yeah, is it called Concussion? I believe so, and it, it's it was out in December. So okay, it it'll be out. And so, guys, you can definitely hear Ed's story through his new website, Brain New Day. That's B R A I N newday dot com. All the links will be in the show notes. And you can also reach him through his website to have him at at one of your events to speak on this very subject of distracted driving and traumatic brain injury. Is there any other way for them to contact you, Ed? No, I believe it's just Ed E D at Brain New Day. That's B R A I N N E W D A Y dot com. That's that's the best way to get in touch with me. Now, Ed, before we wrap up, we got to have yeah. your corner. And, and this is the time when I ask you, is there anything that you, any one thing that you would recommend to someone who's chasing their dream, their passion, if you will? Well, I'd say um, really spend some time volunteering and helping others. And you'll be amazed at, what you can learn about yourself, you know, just by, you know, spending some time with other individuals that you would never even dream about. You know, you wouldn't imagine yourself doing this ever, but, you know, it's it's a way of giving back, and it provides so much light into someone's dark life that, you know, isn't much for you to do, but it, it goes such a long way. You know, it, um, it has impact, is what I'm trying to say. That's very true. Very true. Well, Ed, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your sh- story and share it with us. I think what you're doing is awesome and very uh, worthwhile, and I hope people will continue to share your story with others and that the number of accidents and crashes and incidences of distracted driving will lower. Right. Right. Definitely. New York state has a, um, New York, um, sorry, brain injury association of New York state. Mm-hmm. It's called the Bionese and they're the, um, they're the, go-to people for um, brain injury support. And, you know, they offer literature for caregivers because that's, they're also affected, not just the survivor, but the caregivers. And um, so Brain Injury Association of America is also a conglomerate that I do advocacy work for down in Washington, D.C. But we can get to that on another uh episode <laughs> that's all <laughs> we can definitely do that awesome all right guys 
Well, thank you so much again, Ed, and all the best as you continue to share your message. Thank you so much, Amy, and God bless you and your efforts. Thank you once again to Ed Devitt for sharing his story and his dream for spreading the message about the dangers of distracted driving. Distracted driving is a very real thing, and each of us has a responsibility, whether we are in the driver's seat, the passenger seat, or just on the streets to stop it. Please don't let those around you drive distracted. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Don't put your makeup on and drive. And even if you're on traffic, please don't read a book, newspaper, or magazine and drive. Let's help Ed spread the message about the dangers of distracted driving. To contact Ed or learn more about his work, please visit the show notes page at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 24. That's episode 24. Till next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Chasing.